Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. I have a guy that I've been following for a while on Twitter. I would suggest you would follow him this as well. He is Tristan Pellegrino, T-R-I-S-T-A-N, Pellegrino, P-E-L-L-I-G-R-I-N-O. You can find him at T Pellegrino on Twitter. He is the host of the Recorded Content Podcast. He also talks a lot about content marketing, which we're going to get into with him but it is an honor for me to have Tristan Pellegrino on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Tristan, how are you today? Hey, thanks for having me, Brian. Appreciate it. Man, it's my pleasure. You're doing a ton of great things on social media, helping people out, just just giving some really good ideas and things like that. So let's start here. I want to start here with, with how you and your family have kind of navigated through the last 18 months. Everybody's situation is different. Kind of take me what, through what the last 18 months or so have been like for you and your family and what some of the lessons that you've learned around how you've had to navigate yourself through COVID-19 that you might take going forward after this thing's all over with. Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, if I could go back to that day where um, you know, we found out that that school was canceled for a couple of weeks. You know, that's like the first memory I've had, I have of the pandemic where, um, we were supposed to go on spring break with, with the kids. Uh, so I have a wife and, and three kids. Um, my kids are 14, 12 and five and, um, you know, all different age ranges, obviously, and different, um, times in, in school at the moment. So, uh, you know, we're excited to go on spring break. We have this, this nice trip planned and schools canceled for like a weekend basically. And that was like the first taste of it. We weren't really sure what was going to happen. And then they canceled it for another week and two weeks. And then the next thing, you know, like we all know, it, it seemed to, uh, never really end, you know, you're kind of on this, this endless break and, and things really just, uh, you know, spun out of control somewhat on, on as far as you know, what, what are the kids going to do with school? How, how are they going to adapt? How are teachers yeah. going to adapt? So, yeah. um, it was all over the place. And <clears throat> as far as how we adjusted as a family, uh, we had a lot to work through. Uh, my wife, this was our first year back in the workforce for, uh, I think like 13 years. So when my, my first daughter, uh, was born. She she was a kindergarten teacher then, and uh, my daughter was born, and, and she stayed at home. You know, raised our, our three kids, and, and this was really her first year back, and full time. And uh, here we are. She's got to teach kindergarten virtually. <laughs> so if you yeah. if you've been out of the game for a while, you have to learn how to do that, which was next to impossible. But she did her best. Um, and then with the kids, you know, they, they also had a lot of adjustments along the way, trying to, to navigate a situation where they're, they're very comfortable being in person and learning and they're used to that environment. And now they're, they're thrown into this completely different virtual situation where, uh, you know, they were virtual for over a year. So, um, that was definitely an adjustment as well. But Brian, you asked about lessons learned, and and I think there there are probably two big things that that come to mind in in this time period. One is is having the ability to to be flexible and adaptable. 
And I, I learned a lot about that myself, largely from how my kids handled the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you think about us, I don't know how, how old you are exactly, but I'm over 40. Um, you know, the pandemic situation's a smaller portion of my life versus my, my, there's no way you're over 40, man. Cause I'll, I'll be 40. I'll be 50 next year. And you've got three. I was listening to you talk about, you said, man, I've got three kids. I got a 14 a 12 and a five-year-old. I'm thinking to myself, how do you look so young, man? I can't keep the gray out of my beard, man. Maybe it's the lighting. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) These kids make me, uh, they make me feel young sometimes. And you've got a, and you've got daughter and you've got a, your oldest is a, is is a daughter, right? That's right. Yeah. She's oh, man. a teenage, teenage Your daughter, time's so. coming, my man. Your time oh, is coming. <laughs> it's here. It's here. We're right in the mix of it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but yeah, I learned a lot from my kids, honestly. You know, they they were very flexible. And, you know, if you think about the pandemic in, in relation to their their uh you know, their life, it's a much larger percentage. So um, you know, they they were they really had no choice but to adapt and and uh learn how to really uh, navigate a completely different learning environment and and just uh, balance, you know, sports and, and all these activities that were up in the air all the time. So, yeah. it, I mean, it seems like every week that, that we had activities, you didn't know if they were actually going to happen or not. It was almost like you had to wait until the last minute. Like, are we going to have a game? Are we going yeah. to have practice? And is, uh, is the pool closed? Is this or that? You know, what, what's the situation going to be? So I think flexibility and adaptability is a big thing. And the other big thing that I learned, uh, and, and I'm still trying to learn, is just having empathy for uh, other people's situations. Uh, every family's dealing with the pandemic in different ways. Uh, you know, there are different work environments, uh, different careers that aren't as accommodating as others. And, uh, you know, you just have to take a step back and, and try to appreciate that, that everyone is in a different situation and try to think about that when, when you're having conversations and, and interacting with folks. You know, it, it's, it's amazing, Tristan, in, in the fact of you're, you're 100% right. Everything changed. I mean, you, your wife goes from first year back in the classroom. Now she's got to do everything virtually. You live next, you, you live very close to a real vibrant city in Richmond. Um, there's a lot going on there. There's you mentioned sports. For years, the Redskins trained in that area. I, can I still call them the Redskins? To me, they're the Reds. You know, it's yeah, I, yeah, yeah. You it's, know, it's tough. Yeah. I, I do. You can call them WFT or Washington. <laughs> I, I don't know. It, well, I catch myself all the time, but but yeah. But yeah, but for years, the Washington football team trained in that in that Richmond area. So there was a lot mm-hmm. going on. Richmond's had minor league baseball for a number of years. Of course, VCU's there with and, and the basketball success that that they've had over the last several years. So Richmond's a real vibrant city anyway, the, the capital of Virginia, a lot of historical things around that area. What was it like seeing a city that was so used to being active and on the move all of a sudden just come to a, a standstill? Because, you know, I can think about Charlotte, a city I know well. I know Richmond well. I know what we dealt with here. But what was it like seeing a city like Richmond just kind of just grind to a halt? Yeah, it was, it was kind of strange. I mean, it felt like uh, twilight zone almost in, in some situations. You know, we we are lucky in that we had a really good community, the neighborhood that we're a part of. Uh, we're all still very much connected. So in a lot of cases, you know, we would just go out and sit in the cul-de-sac, uh, you know, 15, 20 feet apart 
and just have a conversation in the, in the cul-de-sac. And, and we would do the same thing with the kids, you know, they, they would play basketball in their own driveways and still have a chance to talk and, and communicate. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it was, it was different in the way that we're, we're used to, very used to being, uh, very active in the, in the community. So it was just one of those things where you, you just don't really understand it at the time. And, and so it's not really familiar territory. And uh, it, it was just a, a weird situation, you know, with the restaurants and, and everything like that, where they were trying to figure out how to stay in business. You know, how, how are they going to do, um, you know, deliveries? How are they going to adapt their business model? Yeah. So it, it, everyone was just trying to figure it out. How did you find yourself adapting with your clients and with, with, with folks that you work with? Because you, you work, a you, you're in content marketing. And, and of course now, where people were at home more, we had more time to consume content. So everybody was putting out a lot. It, it, you know, I found myself at one point putting out a lot more content on the Intentional Encourager podcast, Tristan, because I had the time to do it. Mm -hmm. You had the time to record three or four interviews in a day. And, and you just, you know, because that's where, where we were in life. What did you find in your business or for you that you go, man, you know, this is something that I can take away going forward, you know, from, yeah. from this. Yeah. I think it, the one thing we were very fortunate in that, uh, my business partner and I, we, we had a you know, 6,000 square feet downtown Richmond and, and we had a lot of employees, you know, on location, we had a sales team, et cetera. We had creative resources, uh, you know, everyone was on site. And then, you know, we, we really, got to a point where we realized that a lot of talent that we wanted to access was all over the world. And so we completely switched our business model. Our whole team was virtual. We, we got out of our, our lease and someone took that over and we completely shifted to really a, a virtual working environment before the pandemic hit. So it, it's something that we were very prepared for and we were fortunate in that way. And and we were producing a lot of content virtually anyway. So we were doing remote recording and we were producing animated videos and, and shows like that remotely with clients all over the place. So when the pandemic did hit, it, it was a big impact to our business in the sense that a lot of companies didn't really know what they were going to do. So they were somewhat paralyzed in, in that we're not sure how the pandemic is going to impact our, our business. So marketing teams, their, their budgets were, were sort of frozen. They weren't quite sure how to still do their job while also having empathy for everyone's situation. So there was a time period there where, where people were, were just uh, unsure of, of what the, you know, the, the world was going to look like in a few months. And so what we did is we, we really focused on our podcast and, and we really doubled down on, on the content that we created. And we just said, Hey, you know, we, we have customers we're going to continue to serve the way that we are. We're going to help them in the best way that we can. And then we're just going to try to be as helpful as what we can. That's really all we know how to do. So that's why we, we even uh, dug a little deeper within the content that we create. I love what you said there about doubling down on your content and, and doing it in such a way that you were able to, to really give some extra value to the people you were already serving because those people are already consuming your content to begin with. And, and now all of a sudden you, you're, you're just, you're being really intentional about 
just going the extra mile, giving more, things like that. Did you ever find yourself kind of hitting the wall and saying, okay, where do we go from here? Because we, we, we've doubled down on content. We've, we've done extra things like that. Was that, was there ever a moment you guys just kind of hit the wall and said, okay, where do we, how do we push through this and continue to add value to our customers? Yeah, we, we hit a wall in a sense of we, we produced probably three, 350 episodes of a podcast called tech qualified and we completely threw it away and started recorded content. So recorded content, which is one of the shows that we run at motion now, I think we're at 25, 30 episodes around there. And it started at the beginning of 2021. Uh, but we had a, another show that uh, did really well. And and it was uh, a great experience for us. That's largely how we cut our teeth on and, and even modified our own services. But we, we, deter we figured out that the show that we were producing wasn't as specific as we wanted it to be. It wasn't niche down enough. It wasn't um, tailored specifically to the, the folks that we wanted to reach. So that's, that is a result, a direct result of, of where uh, recorded content comes from, which is a show that's designed to help small scrappy marketing teams at tech companies get the most from their yeah. podcast. And it's much more specific than what we had with tech qualified. So that that's literally the wall that we hit. We just said, Hey, we're producing too much stuff. It's too general. It's too broad. Now we need to niche down and, and that's where we are now. Man, I love that. That that's that's really good stuff. Tristan, let's step aside, take a break. When we come back, we're gonna talk more about the recorded content podcast. We want to talk more about content marketing. Um, a lot of folks out there that may be listening to us, maybe business owners, salespeople, want to know a little bit more about content marketing. We're gonna get into that. And then later we're gonna tell your story. My guest is Tristan Pellegrino. He's joining me on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Come back with us here in just a moment. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton here. I want to tell you about our sponsor, SEO National. SEO stands for Search Engine Optimization. Now, what's that, you might say? Well, Search Engine Optimization helps you show up higher on search engines in front of paying customers for words that you as a business owner can monetize. What a great concept. SEO National is owned by my good buddy, Damon Burton, who's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Not only has Damon and his team worked with businesses of all sizes, from e-commerce startups to NBA teams and Shark Tank featured businesses, but more importantly, Damon and his team are about transparency, trust, and providing lifetime value. So much so that he still has his first customers after opening SEO National 14 years ago. Let me give you some intentional encouragement and call Damon and his team today at 855-736-6285 or go to www.seonational.com and get a free quote. Tristan, let's talk about podcasting for, for just a minute. A lot of people want to get into the space of podcasting. Maybe somebody that's listening to us right now, they go, hey, Brian, hey, Tristan, I would love to get into podcasting, but, but I, I'm not sure what to do. When you get asked that question, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when people say, I want to do this, but what's the first thing you tell them? I think it all, it all goes back to, to two questions. Um, with a, with a podcast. And, and even when companies come to us, it, it really boils down to this. It's, it's who do you want to reach very specifically and how do you want to help them? Um, 
that's really what a podcast comes down to. And if you don't know that, and if you're not clear there, it's very difficult to get to that next step. And you don't even have to worry about your microphone, your, you know, which laptop you're going to use, which camera, et cetera. You you really have to develop that theme. You know, how are you going to produce a show that that helps a certain audience And, and helping you know, a lot of the shows we produce are from a company's perspective, right? It's, they are branded podcasts. So there's a company mission attached to that, but it, you know, your, your podcast is on the personal side. Um, but, but still you have this goal to help people and that might be to entertain or inspire or, or what have you, th- yeah. that's still very much a part of a podcast. So I think those two things, those two, those two questions have to be answered first. What did you learn? And, and you, you're you're an experienced podcaster. You mentioned a moment ago that you guys recorded a bunch of content and things like that, rebranded the recorded content concept that you guys are doing. Was there something you learned about podcasting through this last year that you go, man, had I known then what I learned now, I think we might have been better off because I, I can... I know for myself, man, I have those V8 moments at times where I go, ah, oh, man, if I had known that when I started, I'd have been so much further along. And you you just kind of learn as you go a lot of times. But was there something you learned that really just, you were like, man, if I had known that then, it would have it helped me so much? It's a good question. Uh, I think the big misconception, and we had it too, so, so Motion was a video agency first. So we, we didn't start in the podcasting world. We were producing a lot of documentary style videos, animated pieces. That's how we started. And our podcast really was something to help us connect with customers, right. And and prospects. And so we, we then shifted to, to really building in video into what we do. So I think what we learned largely was that podcasts are more than just an audio channel. Like Brian, like look at us right here. We're on Zoom. We have video as a part of this. Uh, you produce this. You know, you publish on YouTube. That's beyond yeah. your your audio channel, right? That's beyond your RSS feed that you have. So there's a lot of material that you get out of it. And so this concept of a podcast is really beyond that audio channel, and it's more like a show. Yeah. Right. And it, yeah. and it connects to a lot of different things that you do, either as a person and your personal brand or as a company. And I think that's really where and, and we learned that ourselves. We, we started out just really with an, an audio podcast and, and we did create some blog posts out of it, but then we just added layers and now it, it's turned into this concept of a show that, that a brand can really use to, to amplify their message to the market. Man, I'm glad you brought that up because that that's why we, I, I, I like doing video is because there's a couple of reasons. When you see two people having a conversation, to to me, I want them to feel like they're a part of it. When they're watching us talk and interact, there's some things that you don't get on audio that you get with video. You see facial expressions. You know, if I would ask you a question that moves you, and I've had those moments where I've asked a question that's moved a guest. And so you can see the facial expression. You can see mm-hmm. that. I, I consume podcasts sometimes that way because I want to see those facial expressions. I, I'll watch, I'm a Cincinnati Bengals fan. I'll watch press conferences instead of listening to them. I would rather watch them because I want to see how a guy like Joe Burrow, the quarterback, interacts with the media. Mm-hmm. I want to see how Zach Taylor, the head coach, 
interacts with the media. I want to see their facial expressions when they talk about certain things or ask questions. Things. But but that's me. I know that's not everybody. So I love what you said there about the power of video. What was it like for you guys at Motion to really kind of move that needle into the audio space? Because you'd been a video company, primarily doing video a lot. When you started moving into that audio world, were there some things that caused some trepidation or some heartburn for you guys doing that, moving? Because audio and video are, in many ways, two different animals, right? Yeah. It's it's interesting because we were a video production company first, audio actually backing into that style of content was easier because we, we had this whole team in place. I mean, we had a creative department that included editors, motion graphic designers and animators, just pure graphic designers. So we had all of these folks in place. And, and that was really my experience because this is my second company. I, I sold my first agency to, to my previous business partner. So you know, I've, I've been in the game for a while and audio has always been a piece of what we've done. We've repurposed video content into audio. We've done that a lot over the years. And, and it, it was really... Uh, an easy adjustment for us to launch an audio podcast. But then what we had to do is say, okay, we have this audio podcast, but you know, folks really want this to be more like a show. So we need to then add layers to it and almost bring back to, to where we started in a lot of those services and, and types of content we produced originally with video. We had to add those layers to, to the audio only podcasts that were very typical at the time. Why do you believe, and I'm just jotting a couple notes down there but why do you believe that people are are coming back to video shows is it is it the ease of being able to project it onto a tv screen and kind of because i you know again when i was growing up I used to sit with my mom and dad my sister and we would watch tv shows like yeah i'm a kid of the 80s so i remember you know watching family ties and the cosby show and then as I got older, watching Home Improvement, and, and of course now uh, you, you see a lot of those shows on reruns. Of course, people now like to binge watch things mm -hmm. like that. Do you, do you feel like that that folks want to consume dual forms of podcast? And, and I hope I'm asking that question correctly, Tristan, because what you made me think about in that answer that you just were talking about was how people are navigating back to video it seems like we had a, an audio fascination for a while where people are like, I'm in the car. I want to take things on demand with me. And that's moved to now to television where people are binge watching shows on Netflix and things like that. Where, let me ask it this way. How do you see the audio transition back to video? Where, where's the next iteration in that? Especially for businesses that want to tell their story or brands that want to tell a more powerful story. You know, how I like to think about it is if you start with video content first, it's it's a whole lot more efficient to then produce all these other different types of content from it. So versus if, let's say you have an audio only podcast, I mean, if you want to add a layer of video to that, I mean, you're talking about animating everything on top of it. You have no supporting visuals, nothing to cut to. There's no person on camera that you can cut to, uh, you know, for let's say if you're producing a five minute piece, that's where you just get an audiogram. 
you know, it's just an image of someone. They're just talking. There, there's nothing else available to to use. Whereas if you originally record in a, in a video format, you you always have that video people talking, like we are here. Yeah. yeah. And then you can cut away to those supporting graphics, etc. And and I really feel like uh, some folks love watching videos. They there's they'll spend a lot of time on YouTube. Some people love their podcast app on their phone. So when they're walking the dog and when they're driving in the car, uh, when they're washing dishes, they have their earbuds in, they're listening to podcasts. Some people don't like either. Some people don't like audio or video. And they just like to read stuff. <laughs> yeah, and, good point. And for those people and, and for all of those types of consumers, you, you can reach all of them if you produce a show and repurpose your content in all those different ways. No, I love what you said there because I'm thinking back to my own process. So when I started doing the Intentional Encourager podcast, the video piece was separate from the audio piece. And 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 I, I had a moment, and I'll share this with you in the audience. I had a moment, Tristan, where I was like, I want the video and audio to be the same thing. Mm -hmm. So in other words, if you watch the Intentional Encourager podcast on YouTube, or you listen to it on iHeart or Spotify or Apple Podcast or wherever you get podcasts, it's exactly the same thing from a timing standpoint, mm -hmm. from everything. It's 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 a and so when when I flipped my my own switch and started thinking video first, man, for me the whole game changed. And so I love what you said there about starting with video because it really does when you have that video experience between two people like we're having now if you're mm -hmm. watching this on youtube it really does man you can really take the video piece and you can you can clip it you can do other things to it and you can you if you to me if you don't have the video piece the audio piece really doesn't make a lot more it makes a lot more sense to me now having the video part right married with the audio than what I was doing before. Is that something, you know, when we talk about content marketing, I want to go here for just a second. Is that something, is that a concept that's hard for some businesses to get their mind wrapped around? Is that video piece? Because everybody, you know, if you're driving around and you're on the, listening to the radio or something like that, we hear a commercial or something like that. It feels like we're always inundated with contact marketing pieces and things like that. But is that a hard concept for most businesses to get their mind around is thinking video first and then coming back to audio? I think it is difficult for some, some companies, you know, it depends if, if you have that inclination to, to use video more in your marketing mix. Um, I, I personally feel like, especially if you're a technology company, if you don't have video as a part of your strategy, you're really going to struggle because your, your, your competitors are going to connect with industry influencers. They're, they're going to have their executive team producing content and demonstrating their expertise. And if you don't have that, that content, you're not building trust in that way, then you're, you're really going, you're going to get lapped in, in the marketplace. Yeah. So I feel like in, in some ways companies don't really have a choice because video is, it, it should be a big part of, of what you're doing. It's, it's probably the best, way to communicate because you have the audio visual cues, you know, there's so many different things that you can do with that. Um, and, and it goes back to that repurposing piece. Once you have the video, you get all this downstream 
impact with all the different types of content that you get. So when people talk about the ROI of a podcast, yeah, it, some of that is related to the audience that you build, but let's just think about the economics of it. If you produce one piece video, it's long form, look at all the different things that, that stem from, from that one piece of content. So if you, you talk about ROI, you know, let's think about that too, just the different things that you're, you're able to distribute on, on your side. So I think for, for companies that aren't there yet with video, like I said, they're, they're going to struggle. So it, our services have really evolved based on companies coming to us and saying, Hey, we, we don't even want the audio only option. We, we took it off of our website. We don't even produce yeah. audio only podcasts anymore. I mean, we have a few customers that are on those plans, but 95% of the folks that we work with are doing video podcasts. And then obviously they're getting the audio pieces and stuff like that from it. Man, you mentioned that and I, I got to go here really quick and then we'll take a break, but I've noticed that YouTube is kind of setting the standard for how things are going, how content marketing is going. Because when I watch YouTube now, when I watch, and I mentioned watching press conferences or videos, things like that, YouTube has figured out we can place more ads of shorter duration and get bang for our buck because it, you know the, the one to two minute ads are going away and it's more of these 10 to 15 second non-skippable ads that somebody will go, all right, I'll sit through a 10 or 15 second ad to get to the video that I want to get to. Mm -hmm. Is that where you see you being in content marketing? Is that where you see the, the iteration of, of that piece going is to shorter bursted video ads as opposed to, to what we're used to seeing a, a 30 second or a one minute commercial when we watch a television show? Yeah, well, I think there's a time and place for for all of those, and and it's really about experimenting. Um, you know, I don't know if there's a trend towards. I think there the short piece does do really well if you get that really quick hitting message out there in that 15 second slot, and and you're able to appeal to your target audience. And, you know, that can certainly work. Um, also, these longer form ads are working. I mean, we're seeing people run like short pieces from a podcast on LinkedIn. And they're just running it to, to build some awareness around their show and around their company. And that's, that's working to build trust and credibility in the marketplace. And then like the long form content that we're, we're producing here, um, that also has, has a place too. So I don't think there's any one, uh, like duration of video that, that we'll see. I, I just, I would encourage people in, in where I think the trend is going is just additional experimentation. We'll, we'll find that people will love a 15 second piece. And then, you know, maybe this 30 second, uh, spot did really well. And sometimes you just won't know why unless yeah. you try it. And I think that's a big part of it. Well, and, and again, man, you know, the, the reason that people keep the ads, they're, they're, they're huge ads for the Super Bowl is the most eyes on the planet are watching that game and, and, you know, the television people know that they can get huge dollars for that. And the the ad people know that they got to bring, I mean, just like the two teams playing in the game, man, they got to bring, they got to bring it for those ads. Yeah. So, man, I love the perspective there. Let's step aside, take a break. When we come back, 
I want to get into Tristan's story. That's the reason I wanted to have him. And, and I love where the conversation's going around that. I hope you're getting some value around what Tristan's talking about with, with content marketing and podcasting, but I want to get into his story. Tristan Pellegrino joining me on the Intentional Encourager podcast back in just a moment. Hey, everybody, Brian Sexton. want to tell you about my new book, People Buy From People, 10 Powerful People Lessons from the Ultimate People Person, my dad. My dad was one of the greatest connectors that I ever knew, and he shared with me 10 connecting principles that I have used throughout my 25-year sales and sales management, customer engagement, and leadership career that I'm passing along to you. If you want to be a stronger deeper and more powerful connector. You've got to pick up a copy of People Buy From People. There are concepts in there that you may not realize help make you a power connector. You can go to Amazon and pick it up. Kindle, if you're an e-reader and you like to do it that way, or now available on Audible. And there's one other way you can get a copy of People Buy From People. You can get one from me and I'll sign it for you. You go to intentionalmediaandpublishing at gmail.com and send me an email. And I'll share with you the link on how you can get a signed copy. You can buy a signed copy directly from me. Again, people buy from people. If you want to connect like never before, pick up your copy today of people buy from people. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Tristan, I want to get into your story, man. I want you to go as far back as you want to go from point A to today and just talk about your life, maybe some challenges you've overcome and some some lessons you've learned in your life, man. I Again, the floor is yours. I'm going to step back and maybe interject a couple questions here and there, but take me as far back as you want to go and talk about your life. Yeah, I mean, I, I can probably, the, the best place to go back to is just um, right after graduation, undergrad. So, you know, I'm starting my career off. Um, and I started out with a big, uh, big five accounting firm. Uh, I started out with PricewaterhouseCoopers and I w- was thrown into the workforce and, and, you know, started to learn how like this whole corporate world worked. And uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers was acquired by IBM. So then, you know, I started with a big five accounting firm and then, then I was thrown into like the largest uh, IT company perhaps in the world at the time. And I got an opportunity to see how big corporations work and I got a lot of great experience. You know, I I feel like it's a great way to start your careers with very large fortune 500 companies. You know, they certainly have the advantages of, of being able to do a lot of different things and uh, work on big, you know, uh, impactful projects. And, and from there, I got a lot of great experience. Um, I, I went on and, and moved to uh, Oracle at the time and I was a consultant and I, I learned a lot of, about just working in large teams. I learned a lot about um, how to work with customers because when I started my career, I was a developer and mm-hmm. uh, you know, I wanted to just be behind the, the keyboard all day and creating like web applications and so forth. But then I realized this is probably one big lesson is if you really want to go somewhere in your career, you, you have to understand the customer. You have to understand what they're looking for and you have to be able to communicate with them. And, and so you, I shifted. 
Do you I'm mind sorry, if I, I, I no, I I just want to jump in there for just a second. Did you always have that that leaning as a as a teenager and as a as a kid that curiosity? Because you, you start out working for a huge accounting firm. Was mm-hmm. that kind of the trajectory that you kind of saw yourself as a kid and as a teenager? Because I don't know that a lot of kids know what they want. Like for me, I thought at one time I wanted to be a veterinarian because I went to church with a, a veterinarian. Yeah. And then I thought I wanted to be a pharmacist. You know, so for me, mine kind of bounced in different places. How were you kind of wired as a teen, as a kid and a teenager? Were you kind of wired in that? I really want to see how things work and how things develop. Yeah. I've always had that, that curiosity component. Right. Um, but what I found was um, I, I went to school undergrad. I wanted to be an attorney. I mean, that, that was really always my goal. I wanted to go into law and I was pre-law when I started, but then um, at the time and I'm dating myself here, you know, all the, all the, the dot-com boom was uh, really yeah. at its at its peak at that time. And and everyone that was in IT, so I switched to computer information systems and, and everyone was getting all kinds of these these great jobs right out of school. I mean, I, I had my job like the first month of my senior year. So I was cruising wow. my whole my whole entire senior year. And you didn't have to go to law school either. Which no, was, and yeah. I didn't have to go to law school. <laughs> and I said, you know, forget this whole law school thing. I Because I, I really did fall in love with development. And I, I really did like building things with code and creating websites. I mean, I was creating a lot of just really small local web- websites and, and building things for people. And and I just loved unpacking how things work. So that was always a, a part of of what I did. And that's what led me to to you know really just starting my career out with these larger firms. And and when I, I switched to from one big firm to the next, I started to see a lot of commonalities that you know, you, you really are just a, a number somewhat in, in this big, huge corporation. And, and so I, I left right when my first daughter w- was um, going to be born. I, I had a business that I was starting on the side, but I, I just completely said, I'm going to, to get out of the, the big corporate world and I'm going to become my own independent consultant. So I did, I did independent consulting for about two years and, and I actually went back and worked for a, a project that that IBM was spearheading. So I, I was like my own one person show, and I was subcontracting to one of the the first companies that that I actually worked with earlier on in my career. But that's really what took me into this this entrepreneurial cycle that I've been in ever since. And and uh, I was moonlighting or or had a side hustle video production company that I started with a friend out of college. Um, right when I, I moved on and became an independent consultant. So I had a lot of things just going on and, and it really just evolved into a scenario where I wanted to get out of, of that large corporate world. And, and I really wanted to just create my own startup and something from scratch. And, and that's yeah. really where I built my first agency. We were an Inc 5,000, um, company. I mean, we were one of the fastest growing video production companies in the country and I sold it to my business partner and, and started another one. And, and that's where, you know, kind of fast forward to, to where I am now with motion. And this will be our, our fifth year coming up. Was that a hard thing for you to do? Because a lot of people that start companies like that, it's almost like, a you know, having a child, I mean, right? You, you birth mm-hmm. this thing, you live with it, you, it, it's blood, sweat, and tears. 
did you have any trepidation about what you built going help build basically kicking it out of the nest so to speak because i have a 21 year old son mm -hmm. i know that at some point in the next couple of years he's going to leave the nest this is going to be me and my wife and it's almost like that with the company tristan it's it kind of almost yeah. feels like man i built this thing i nurtured it i raised it what were some of the emotions that you kind of felt that you were working through when you were making the decision to sell to your business partner yeah i was uh you know, I, I originally had wanted to acquire it um, and, and carry it forward. I mean, it was a situation where we had a different vision for, for what to do next. Because you grow so fast and you reach a certain point, and then it's kind of like, well, what next? And I just had a, a different view as to where it wanted to go. And I think at that point, once I realized that I, I didn't want to to keep this status quo in place. I wanted to do something completely different. So either it was going to be with that company and I was going to take it in a different direction, or I was just going to wash my hands of it and then create something completely new. And, and you do go through a scenario when, when you have a business partner who's you know, a good friend from college and you've grown this business over a decade there is a lot of just rough emotions that you go through. It very much is like a divorce and, and there's a lot of just, you know, emotions tied up into it. But at some point you just have to recognize that, that each person will be fine as you move on, but you just have to come to terms and say, Hey, you know, you want this, I want this. And, and then you just uh, move forward from there. So that's, yeah, that's really the realization that I had. Yeah. Take me through the genesis of starting motion because again, I can, I, I kind of see in your eyes that, that, you know, yeah, that, that was a hard thing to go through. Mm -hmm. You wanted to start something, you have a different vision for what you wanted to do. How quickly did, did things come together when you started motion and you go, okay, this is mine. This is, this is what I want to do. This is how I believe this company should go. What were your thoughts and emotions around that time was it excitement fear panic because i here's why i asked that tristan i think a lot of people have the concept of man i want to start my own business and i want you know because i have these ideas or, or i can i can build a better mousetrap so to speak but then when the rubber meets the road it's kind of like oh crap you know this is not what i thought it would be when you finally had that that solo moment where you kind of moved away from your old company and started motion. Take mm -hmm. me through some of those thoughts and processes you were going through. Yeah. So I, I honestly made Brian, a lot of the same mistakes that I made with my first company. It's almost like you have to learn something twice before you say, you know, wow, this really doesn't work. I need to do it completely differently. Um, but when we came, when we started motion, we, we really started out of the gates, like really strong. I mean, we, we grew very fast. We did over a million dollars in revenue in our first year. Um, and this was just me and my business partner coming out of the gates. We hired pretty early, uh, built a, a very strong team, got an office in place. Uh, you know, we, we were working out of DC mostly, but then we, we set up shop in, in Richmond, got a big office down there. I mean, things moved quickly, but I think what I realized is I was just creating something that was very similar to what I had before. It was, it was largely a project-based business and, and the, the revenue each month could be up and down and yeah. it's very unpredictable in, in nature. I mean, we would land a big, huge project with the university one month and then the next month 
you know, sales are stalled. You just have a lot of opportunities that are just uh, stagnant and you don't know when they're going to come through and there's really not much you can do about it. Yeah. So it was just so unpredictable. And I said, you know, my business partner, Justin, we were like, we're, we're creating the same situation that we've always had where we, the revenue is going up, but what, because cash flow and, and just the predictable nature of opportunities is all over the place, we can't effectively plan it because mm -hmm. we don't know when that yeah. big project's going to hit. We don't know when the team needs to be put in place. So it made recruiting very difficult and hiring. Um, and so what you end up with is this constant friction where you, you want to keep very good freelancers and subcontractors, but then you, you do want to hire the really good people because you want them to be working at motion full time. And so what we just had to do, and this really goes back to the top of uh, the conversation we started where we, we just really had to, to reinvent what, what motion was. And that's where we, we broke it all down, made it leaner, got rid of a lot of the just infrastructure. Um, we, we created a fully virtual team so that people could work from anywhere. We could pull talent from all over the world. And then we built a service model that was recurring where we could provide value to customers each and every month. And then that way it gives us a, a much more predictable nature for our business versus these projects that just go up and down all over the place. Yeah, man, I love that. Hey, take me through, I want to ask you this real quick. Take me through the biggest obstacle that you've overcome in your life or maybe in business. What did the, what did you learn from that? that obstacle because again i mean i think the pandemic has challenged a lot of business and a lot of people and and they've over maybe it's a health scare or something like that what was the biggest obstacle you've overcome um the biggest obstacle probably on, on the person's side is when uh my father passed away when i was in grad school i mean i was i was recently married so this was gosh over 15 years ago and you know, when he passed, he, he was like my mentor. He's where I went to for a lot of advice and you, you basically lose that. So I'm, I'm like this newly married man and uh, I've lost my, you know, one of my best friends, right? So I don't really have anyone to, to bounce ideas off of. So that was a very difficult period of time. And, and it was right when I was starting my marriage and I hadn't even started with uh, building a family yet. And, um, you know, I was, I was in the, the corporate world. I was looking for advice. So it, it was a tough time to get through. And it really, I, I just had to, to learn by doing because I, I didn't really have uh, someone to, to pull from, you know, and all of his experiences, I, I lost a lot of that. So yeah, it's just one of those things where, you, you know, trial, uh, you go through all these different experiences and failures and, and that's where you, you have to learn from. So that's, that was probably the, the biggest challenge for sure. Man, I got to ask you this. I, I wasn't going to go here, but but I've got to go here for just a quick second because I'm in the same boat. I lost my dad almost nine years ago, and, and mm -hmm. I, I totally understand what you're saying. What do you think your dad would tell you? How do you think your dad would, would look at what you've built now? Because you, you were starting grad school. You know, there's one trajectory of your life that you're going in, and and quite honestly, Tristan, you're, you're doing something completely opposite. What do you think your dad would think about that? It's interesting. I remember something that he told me because, because I was thinking about switching jobs, right? I wanted to, to move from one company to the next. And, and I think it was like a 15, $20,000 raise or something. And 
And it was the first move. And, and my dad, um, he had worked for a, a very large bank pretty much his entire career. And so he had a completely different viewpoint. He's like, you know, you're in the, you're in the workforce for one to two years and you already want to switch. You know, he didn't understand that, but he also said, that's my stance on it. That's my viewpoint. It might be completely different for you. And, and that's really what, what I learned, I think is, is like the, the advice that, that he had might not be totally applicable to, to how I want to, to do things. So I think if he would look at me now, he would say, Hey, you, you, you've really been able to do things your way. You know, you, you haven't been at this same large corporation the whole time. And, and you went out on your own, you built companies on your own and, and you've supported your family as an entrepreneur. So I think he'd be proud of that fact. Yeah, man, that's so good. man. And what a, what a great way to continue to honor your dad. I mean, I, I try to do the same thing with this podcast and other things too. Tristan, speaking of that, get, share with this audience, your biggest piece of intentional encouragement. Yeah, I think it's a good question. I, I was, I was trying to figure out one thing to, to narrow in on, but, uh, the biggest thing for me is is you have to try to to go out there and 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 pursue a dream that you have. Um, and if I always go back to to where you know my career and a lot of the conversation that we, that we've had here today is I, I really want I had that curiosity. I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And if we go back to what I said when I finally went out on my own, it, it was right when my first daughter was being born. People thought I was crazy. But I just had this strong desire to to go out there and do my own thing. So I just had to make that leap. And and I feel like a lot of times when your back is against the wall, you're you're going to persevere and you're going to come through. And, and that's what happened. So I, I would encourage people if they do have this itch, if they do have this desire to do something, uh the the circumstances aren't always going to be perfect. It might be when your your first child is uh, right around the corner. You might have to yeah. make that leap, but I, I would just encourage people to do that. Check his company out, Motion Agency IO on Twitter. Um, Tristan, what other ways can can folks connect with you, your content, your company? Um, I, I just mentioned one, but mention how folks can connect with you. Yeah, a couple of big ways. Twitter's one for sure. T Pellegrino, you mentioned that, Brian. Uh, LinkedIn, I'm pretty active there as well. You can find me. I I think I'm the only Tristan Pellegrino in LinkedIn, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Um, another big uh, spot for me is motionagency.io. You can find out more about Motion. And then uh, my favorite spot to, to have conversations is with recorded content. And that's the podcast we've talked about here today. So check out the recorded content podcast. And again, you're going to get smarter. Those of you that have businesses out there, you're going to get smarter because there's a lot of great content on that podcast. And um, there's there's always going to be something that can help your business get better. Tristan, man, I appreciate your time today. Thank you for joining me on the Intentional Encourage podcast. It was a pleasure, Brian. Thanks for having me today. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And of course, the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. If you're not subscribed to the Intentional Encourager podcast, hit the subscribe button wherever you get podcasts so you don't miss an exciting episode where you can get encouraged and stay encouraged. And remember, anyone, anywhere, at any time, any place can be an intentional encourager.